Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to all and welcome back to the second part with celebrity chef Andrea Zagatti. Now, of course, we'll be continuing the theme of food. So prepare yourself for him to talk to you about his 250 pound sandwich. Yes, you did hear correctly. 250 pound sandwich and the most expensive chocolate Easter egg in the world. Now, of course, we will discuss wine pairings to go with all of these said foods and a nice focus on Lambrusco. So this is not the sweet, disgusting, frothy red juice of the 70s and the 80s. It is so much more. I do go into details later on whilst chatting with Andrea about Lambrusco, but I just want to maybe put a little bit more focus on where you're going to find this. Where is Emilia-Romagna? So Emilia-Romagna is in the northern centre area of Italy. So to the east is the Adriatic Sea, and then literally going all the way around it, it's surrounded by other wine regions. So to the south east is Le Marche. Then going in a clockwise direction is Tuscany. Then there's a little bit of Liguria, Piemonte to the far west, and then above north you have Lombardy and then Veneto. Now the Apennines are to the west and the River Po, which is Italy's largest river, runs through the north. It comes down south from Lake Garda and then comes out to the Adriatic Sea. And this is the plains, the flatter areas of Emilia-Romagna. The upper half is basically flat plains, flat land, and then the lower half is the Apennines. You get lots more hills and actually within that you have these lovely hills which are growing fantastic Lombrusco. And not to be confused, Lombrusco is the name of the grape, of which there are 60 different Lombrusco grapes, and it's also the name of the wine. Now, typically when it comes to climate, you have hot summers, but cold winters. But as you do get closer to the coast, the Adriatic, there is more of a Mediterranean influence. Now, in terms of great varieties, you're going to find Sangiovese or even some Barbera and Bonada for the red grape varieties. And in terms of white, there's lots of Malvasia and Trebbiano. But as you know, I'm here to talk about Lambrusco today. Now, you can actually get Lambrusco in a rosé style so pink but typically red is what it's known for and you can also get it in a frizzante style which is fizzy which means less sparkling so a little bit of bubbles and then you can have spumante so fully sparkling and you can also have it as a sweet style or you can have it as completely bone dry and everything in between now in terms of how lambrusco is made how do you get the bubbles there are three ways to do this now there is the method ancestral so this is the oldest way in which sparkling wine was ever made and this is actually a single fermentation my wine of the week is actually made in the metodo ancestrale so i'll talk about that in a second you can make it in the metodo classico, which is the traditional method like they would make in champagne. And then the very popular method now, how they do in Prosecco, which is the Charmat method, the tank 
method. Now, typically, the least sparkling, so the frezzante, is going to be the ancestral method. Then in the middle is going to be charmat, so that reaches about three bars of pressure compared to the two to three maybe with the ancestral method. And then if you want the more five to six bars of pressure as you would get in champagne, that is the metodo classico. Now, I don't want to complicate things too much by going into crazy detail, but do go and get yourself a bottle of Lambrusco. Look out for a D. OC. So look for that on the back of the bottle and you'll know it's a more superior quality. I do touch on the four main grape varieties of Lambrusco that you want to look out for. Now if you are having the Lambrusco de Sobara, which is generally the lightest and the most kind of citrusy, or if you get yourself a rosé, that's quite nice around the 10 degrees Celsius temperature. But if you're having one of the more richer, heavier Lambruscos, so the Salamino, the Grasparossa, these are really good to have around 14 degrees Celsius. Right, I'll keep you hanging a little bit because we'll talk a little bit more about Lambrusco in the chat with Andrea. But right now, I want to tell you about my winery of the week. So my winery of the week is Camillo Donati. Now, he is a third generation winemaker situated about 15 miles from Parma, so in a place called Barbiano. And I thought it might be quite apt as part one I was mentioning natural winemaking. Well, he is incredibly hands off and is very much about the low intervention sparkling wines and he farms the vineyards biodynamically. Now, biodynamics is like organics on steroids, as many people will say. So no chemicals, no pesticides, but you're also farming to the lunar cycle. You're thinking about the land, the people, the animals, and you're bringing everything together. So it's a very holistic practice. Just one of the most famous preparations that people do when they biodynamically farm is preparation 500, which is taking cow manure, burying it in a cow horn. Now, officially between 40 to 60 centimeters underground ideally it's a lactating cow because that has more nutrients again it should be a cow that's grazing on the land and not having any antibiotics and eating from grass that has no sprays or chemicals and the reason you put it in the horn is because a cow receives about 80% of its nutrients from that horn and it goes into the ground in the autumn so that's when you know the leaves are falling the energy is going down and then you Pick it back up in the spring when everything is shooting upwards, when flowers are starting again, when everything is growing. So it's about that upward energy. And then you take that manure and you mix it with some water, ideally rainwater that's collected. I know one winemaker, he puts it in a barrel and then he stirs it around one way and then goes backwards. So you have to create this vortex and it's about giving energy back into the water and you have to do this for an hour. And then you put it all over your soils and it acts as a beautiful organic compost. So there's something quite magical, spiritual and marvellous about the preparations that they do. That is just one of them. Now as he's making his wines in a natural way, the Lambrusco is made in the ancestral method. Now I do touch on that back in episode 25, which in fact is on organics, biodynamics and sustainable wine. So go and check that out. I think that's a really interesting episode. But to touch on the method ancestral, it is a single fermentation. 
what you do is you take wine that hasn't quite finished fermentation you put it in bottle and then you seal it using a crown cap like they would do with beer the fermentation continues and of course with fermentation a byproduct is carbon dioxide this gets trapped in the bottle creating the bubbles hence because the fermentation hasn't started from scratch you're not going to have as much carbon dioxide meaning not as much bubbles so this is going to be more frizzante in general rather than spumante this is also known as pet nat or petillant natural which is becoming very very popular in the natural wine making scene wines are not filtered so they might have a little cloudiness to them and they don't add any dosage at the end so there's no added sugar so typically they can be really quite dry but then some do have a little bit of extra sweetness because the fermentation might not quite have finished now these wines are typically slightly less in alcohol lambrusco in general is not going to be too high in alcohol so you'll find with these wines about 11 12 percent is normal now going back to camillo donati he is based close to parma as i said and in parma the main lambrusco grape variety you'll find is the lambrusco maestri now this is actually a really high yielding grape variety so they do severe pruning to make sure you get low yields and then the quality is better and this specific variety has a lot of tannins with it thicker skin so you can get a little bit of rusticity and color and then of course that nice little grip right it's time to try the wine i have this is their 2019 and they only do one lambrusco you can find this in the UK for £17.40 from Joseph Barnes Wines or £18.50 from Natty Boy Wines. Right. Okay, first let's get the crown cap off. There we go. So it's like a beer cap. Oh, and it's so frothy and red ruby juicy. Gorgeous. Okay. The nose straight away is lovely strawberries but you also get this kind of like potting soil at the same time so that earthiness mixing with red fruits some fresh herbs like i'm getting basil that lovely zingy fresh basil but with maybe some thyme some rosemary it's medium intensity and mm, some just really nice raspberries red cherries it smells like it's going to be really juicy on the palate Ugh. Now, crunchy fruit, it is absolutely dry, bone dry. It's got some real kind of mm, like sour cherry acidity on the finish. Mm. Maybe a little bit of like even kind of black currant, even like kind of black currant wine gums. It's super vibrant and also quite tangy with the fruits and even kind of like some forest floor and even even a little bit of, it's like a, a leathery funk to it. Mm. This is fruity, it is lively, it is tangy, it is zippy, great acidity, very, very soft bubbles, as it says, frizzante. And now it does have that touch of earthiness, but still really fruit driven and quite a light style. So I'd want to go with the pizzas, some goat's cheese, in fact, strawberry goat's cheese and pomegranate salad, something like that, with some lovely balsamic vinegar, or of course, a lovely plate of charcuterie will be delicious. Right, hopefully you're feeling in the mood for some Lambrusco. Let's go over to the chat with Andrea now. I would like to talk to you now about Mr. Zed 
luxury yes. sandwiches. <laughs> yes, of course. Mr. Mrs. Z. Z, Mr. Z. Oh, 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 well, all right, Mr. Z. Mr. Z, Mr. Z. Potato, <laughs> potato. <laughs> no, it's Mrs. Z. Mr. Z. Mr. Z, obviously <laughs> named after your last name. Zagatti. Yes, okay. Tell me the principle of, tell me about your 50 pound millionaire sandwich. So uh, let me tell you first why I did that, why mm -hmm. I created a brand. Uh, lockdown time, deep lockdown time, nobody can go anywhere, nobody can do anything, nobody could do dinner parties. I've done a couple of illegal ones, but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> no, it's not like, <laughs> not illegal, it's legal from their side, not from my side, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was there hired, but yeah. they had people. But having said that, I had clients that got coats and got fined over 200,000 pounds. So, 200,000? Know, yeah, because a lot of people inside. Oof, so yeah. people were scared of hosting dinner parties. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my job stayed quiet for a good six months. And after a couple of months quiet, I was like, okay, I have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. uh, what do people need? Good food. They cannot call me over. I could send it, but I don't want food to be shit. I don't want to, food to be boring and same things as you get in delivery, that you get in supper. What can I do something that is missing? And a friend of mine told me, sandwiches, everybody loves sandwiches. I was like, all right. Mm -hmm. And uh, on that night, we finished a bottle of McAllen 25. And we came up <laughs> of course. with the business plan, with the menu, with the website, oh, and wow. the photos in 24 okay. hours. I love and uh, we launched the, the company in 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And six hours before it went live, it went viral on Twitter thanks to a couple of journalists that hated the idea. I can imagine it's, <laughs> do you know what? Bad yes. press is better than no press at all. Sometimes Ooh, I had very bad press. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you get such bad press? Because it's a 50 because pound sandwich, right? Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. how I started. And now I'm yeah. selling 250 pound sandwiches nearly 30 a day. Of course so, you do. You, know, you have the, the billionaire. And it's a 24 carat, there's 24 carat gold leaf. Yes. Uh, Wagyu or Sietra. It's a bit excessive though, isn't it? <laughs> the price or the gold? The gold leaf. Uh, no, the gold is only the, for the eye, of course. Okay. But inside, there is Wagyu A5 from Kagoshima okay. that nobody else in London does. Oh, really? Uh, or Sietra caviar. Mm. Uh, cabbage and the best ricotta in Italy inside a homemade focaccia. And uh, is delivered to you in a Mercedes S-Class. I love this. Okay, what would we? I mean, what would we pair with this? I feel like it just has to be champagne. A hundred percent, right? At the moment, I suggest everybody P three. That's what you should. Oh, how funny! With. So Dom Perignon P three. So yeah. just, um, so you just yeah. suggest that they just pick up just casually, <laughs> go and get a twenty year lease aged um, champagne, no problem, easy. What well, to be fair, anybody who's going to purchase a two hundred and fifty pound sandwich is probably okay. <laughs> Spe Precisely. Spending so eight hundred pounds having on... good wine with it. A absolutely, that's amazing. I'm just you thinking know? about what else would kind of go. So you've got the creaminess of the ricotta, you've got a slight earthiness of cabbage. To, to be fair. You could pair a really beautiful burgundy. You could pair a really stunning Pinot yes. Noir with it as well, because I think that would go with the earthiness of the cabbage. It could cope with the creaminess of the ricotta. You've obviously, Wagyu is red meat still, but it's going to be so soft and fall apart. I think a good Pinot would, would also work. Pinot would go really well. You have to understand, though, that Wagyu, it's usually a fatty meat. Yeah. But, you know, the reason that I choose the Kagoshima is because it's less fatty. 
than other parts of okay, Japan. Okay, okay. So Pinot Noir could go really well, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. But the reason I prefer Champagne, maybe maybe a Blanc de Blanc, maybe a Salon, maybe a, mm. you know, a Pere Jouet Blanc de Blanc, maybe a Blanc de Millionaire uh, Heidsec, uh, 1998. Yeah. I mean, stuff like so that, you, that works really well. Yeah, so you prefer, because Blanc de Blanc, that kind of more kind of direct, linear, citrusy, zingy vibe, kind of really, I, sp- I suppose, and like the, the acidity just really cuts through. Can you tell me about the caviar that you're using yes. and how that flavor is different from other caviar? Sorry, because I'm a bit... So, <laughs> of course, I mean, uh, so you can say caviar. Mm. You start from a basic, which every brand has a basic brand. Yes. In the case of Exmoor, for example, which is the brand of caviar I'm using, they start with the basic, it's called Cornish Salted. Okay. And that is the base caviar. And then it goes up. It goes to, there is one in between uh, uh, this one. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, called Royal Belushi. Okay. And there is uh, mm-hmm. Ossietra. Then there is Beluga. There is Kaluga. There is Albino. Uh, Albino is the white eggs. Okay. Uh, and so on and so on and so on. So, and there is this uh, company in Switzerland mm. doing uh, aged caviar. Wow. Called N25. So they all have different caviar. The reason that I use Ossietra is because it's creamy, okay. it's not too salty, and it's not too muddy, and the eggs are not too big. Mm. Mm. Okay. So it's the right balance for what I want to achieve in a sandwich. Well, do you know what? Maybe a certico. Yes. I'm just thinking a certico from the Santorini Island, really yes, mineral, really salty, high acid, cut through it all, but actually can go with that slightly more savory vibes in the sandwich. It could work. Right. Yeah. So you've yeah. got, for people who can't afford the billionaire, they, there is the millionaire, £50. Yes. But we, do we not get it delivered in a Mercedes? Yes, of course. Every sandwich gets delivered in a Mercedes. Okay. Unfortunately, though, shipping is on is on is excluded. Okay, so depending on where you live. So if you live in London, it's going to be a little bit more. Correct. Reasonable. Okay, no, that's fine. So you know, I had people ordering ten sandwiches, but they live three hours away, mm. and uh, the fee was expensive. For <laughs> yeah. Because you know, I, I work with the, the best drivers in London. They come to your house, yeah. shoot and tie. The reason that I use them is because my sandwiches, I consider them a work of art. Mm-hmm. They need to be cared for them, mm-hmm. ha- you know, handed properly. Yeah. And uh, if you bumble them around, everything comes out. It's not good. Uh, so it needs to be delivered properly. And I like, you know, the same way that I traveled with Mercedes, yeah. I want my food to travel with Mercedes. And uh, it's something that works. And if people want to order 100, 200, 300 pounds of sandwiches, they don't mind paying 20, 30, 50 pounds of shipping. Yeah. No, at the end of the day, you are, regardless, you are doing something unique and something different. So tell me about my millionaire sandwich. What am I going to get in my millionaire yes. sandwich? Uh, I have an aged ribeye, 45 days aged ribeye. Oh, okay. A mm, bit more gamey and concentrated. Uh, ricotta, mm-hmm. chimichurri, king oyster mushroom, and of course, covered in gold. <laughs> of course, covered in gold. <laughs> what bread does it come in? Uh, it's, a, it's a ciabatta bread. Yes. A ciabatta. So it's a mm. billionaire, a millionaire. A billionaire came after the millionaire, of course, because it, it went super crazy success, the millionaire. But I had people asking, why is it so cheap? So I had to make them <laughs> one more expensive. <laughs> no, and so you did. So what would you pair with a millionaire? I mean, would you go to champagne again? No. Uh, the millionaire needs to be completely different. The millionaire needs to be uh, red, maybe a sassicaia. Oh, okay. Maybe a sasikaya, maybe a gaia, 
maybe Athenianello. I was going to say Nebbiolo, maybe. Nebbiolo's nice. Because again, because the king oyster mushrooms, but you've obviously got beef ribeye, so you, you want, again, something with high acidity. And you Correct. said Gaia, so, you know, Barbaresco would be, would be delicious yes. with that. Absolutely. But but again, the concentration, the power, you're going to get far more, aren't you, with the Sassacaya and the Tignanello. Mm-hmm. To be honest, okay. I don't mind. The reason that I said that is because the mushroom is quite buttery. And uh, okay. battery with that works really, really well. So that actually might work better than a Nebbiolo because yes. a Nebbiolo, I feel, is a little bit leaner, isn't it? So you Precisely. want something a bit more powerful. Okay, so some Super Tuscans. So super a millionaire Tuscan. and a Super Tuscan. Correct. Okay, good. And that's at a slightly different level, right? You said you wanted the the billionaire 250-pound sandwich with a P3 Dom Perignon, yes. which I actually don't know the price of, but uh, 12, probably 1000 and, and 1800 Okay. Yeah. Look at me. Oh, just just a thousand. No, go up. And then we know that we can get we can get a Tignadello for a couple of hundred pounds. Yes, that's a car, even less. Three, four hundred. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. getting more reasonable. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then, as if that wasn't enough, am I right in thinking that you've produced the UK's most expensive Easter egg? Yes, of course. No, no, no. The world, not UK. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Sorry yeah. about that. Freudian yeah, yeah. slip. Okay. So you have produced the Tsar egg. Yes. Tell me about the Tsar egg. So Tsar egg, uh, I made it, of course, when I was in the crazy bar hype of Mrs. E sandwiches, which I still am now, but because uh-huh. of the many other things, I only activate the brand four days a month where I sell out, you know, every day. But mm-hmm. uh, so the Tsar egg, the reason that I made the Tsar egg is because I said to myself, I want to do something unique. I want yeah. to do something that never been done. So I applied the philosophy of the matryoshka dolls the russian dolls okay and i put three eggs inside of each other and Yum. each egg has different fillings and oh, uh, covered different ways so the the smallest one which was the heart is covered in okay. ruby powder and filled Rip. up with the pistachio cream uh hazelnut cream and crust crystallized violets oh my god but what's ruby powder ah <laughs> <laughs> it's oh no, do I sound edi- stupid? It's called edible ruby powder. As simple as that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And uh, yes. it's uh, actual ruby, but uh, it's so fine that it's edible. And uh, oh it's it crazy, yes. Um, okay. Then there is a layer of uh, uh, caramel, uh, hazelnuts, and pistachio. Oh my then God. there is an egg. Uh, they're all different. So there's uh, dark, white, and milk. Uh, mm-hmm. So this egg is covered in edible silver, and okay. uh, the external egg is covered in a salted caramel. Uh, do you remember salted caramel? Yes, and crispy um, filetine paste. And uh, then there is the golden egg. You know, so the egg was—I'm not joking. It was—it was massive. It was like I don't even know how to calculate half a meter at least long. Oh my god! Tall. And it was it was more than twenty kilos. It was really. Did heavy. you only make one? Yes, you only I made, made one. one. Made one. Okay. And uh, what I did very simply, said the egg starts at like five hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Had an Instagram live of ten minutes, and sold it via the Instagram live. Oh my and, god! Uh, How much did you sell it ended for? Ended up selling it for two four five zero. Two thousand four hundred fifty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. That's. Having uh, yeah. said that, I spent. I promise you. I think I spent fifteen hundred to make the egg. Oh, I can imagine so from was, the ingredients was, that you're using. Yeah. Without considering wow. three days of my time. 
but uh, it was it was more something for fun than something for money. Uh, you know, I, I really want to do something project. really, really fun and uh, delivering something which does not exist. You cannot find uh, one of one okay. and hand delivered by myself. So I came to your house to deliver it to you. I love this. It's amazing. If you came and hand delivered me something, I would like sit you down and be like, torture you for just more information, like pick your brain. <laughs> What's next? What's next? What are you doing? How do you, I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> I don't even know what, I'm trying to think of what, sweet wine I would pair with hmm. this but you've got so many different styles I mean I suppose one you could bring out the sauternes again because the nuttiness some of the stuff with the hazelnut I guess but it's not you're not you know the honeyed nature I don't know so I don't know if sauternes and tokai would work maybe a banyuls so actually like a for, you know the fortified wine from the south of France maybe mm-hmm. could be could work because I mean that just goes really well with with chocolate in general and um, I imagine a PX sherry is too intense mm, yeah see what i mean i would choose a uh, i would choose a port like a tawny yeah so i would go then 20 year tawny so go yeah. for the, the oldest what well of course we need to go for the most expensive as well right to match up with your egg but <laughs> um, but 20 year 20 year tawny because it's had longer to age it's going to be more nutty but it's also going to be lighter and more elegant i think it's very nice yes okay there you go uh so when are you going to make another one for next no semester? no i <laughs> i was thinking through something for december though I may do uh, something for Christmas, but I don't know what I will do and if I will do something. I may do, though. And then do you think you'll sell it through Instagram again? Yes. Uh, My my marketplace is Instagram. Uh, I sell through DM. People send me DMs to buy stuff. That's it. Oh, my God. Okay. So I have, of course, a website and everything, but I don't use it much. Um, Remind me your Instagram. Mrs.Z.LuxurySandwiches. There you go. I can't even begin to imagine your next creation. That is... Amazing. So <laughs> I want to bring it back yes, now. Of course. I want to bring it back to where you came from, Emilia Romagna. So you are, as we said earlier, lucky to have grown up in a place which had some incredible food options. You're famous for your parma ham and parmigiano, reggiano, cheese. Yes. And it's, do you think that actually secretly was the seed that I know you said earlier? in part one about uh, the cheesecake and the (laughs) ex-girlfriend. But being able to taste such delicious food from such a young age and having all these amazing wines around you as well. There is no doubt that it did. Uh, Not intentionally, like, you know, know, uh, without me looking for them, automatically my palate developed 100%. Yeah. Uh, A big influence, of course, was my father that he used to travel for his work and bring home Mm. from any country in the world that it was some food from uh, Saudi, yeah. from China, from uh, Asia, whatever it was, he was bringing back something. I did not mm-hmm. like anything, but I was trying everything. So somehow my palate was learning and discovering without me will- wanting to, you know what I mean? So, mm, you know, growing yeah. in an area where everything is fresh, everything is good and is accessible. I mean, you can find a fantastic wine for 10 euros, for 8 euros. You can go in the countryside and find one bottle of wine for two euros. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a different philosophy, different way of living. And uh, in Italy, you know, every once in a while when I came, I when I come back from uh, London and go to see my family, I bring them a good bottle of wine. But <laughs> they have no understanding why I'm bringing something so expensive. Why yeah. are you doing that? Mm-hmm. I would never do yeah. that. You know, for example, I brought... Uh, when was it? Three weeks ago, I went to Italy after a year and a half. 
that I had to stay here for COVID. Uh, I brought mm -hmm. them this bottle from uh, the date of birth of my parents, which was uh, 57, 1957. Mm -hmm. So I brought them a red from Chianti, 1957. But they wouldn't understand why I'd spend, you know, so much money and uh, to bring something <laughs> so fine. But then they mm -hmm. taste it and they love it. But still, yeah. the mentality is that if it costs more than 20 euros, it's not worth it. That's it. But when you live in a place like Emilia-Romagna, Lambrusco yes. as a, an example, which is probably the most famous grape variety or style of wine that's coming out of that wine region yes. even here in England after you've brought it in and you paid your duties and everything you can get great bottles for less than 15 pounds yeah every time you drink Lambrusco you taste raspberry and uh, some some acid veins that make it really vibrant yeah and, uh... a citrus zest to yes. it along with the cherries or blackberries or strawberries Precisely. or raspberries or whatever you're getting yeah so tell me about growing up in that region as a older adolescent and young adult, were you drinking lots of Lambrusco? Uh, no, you drink it every once in a while. Uh, I drink okay. it now more when I go back because I don't have it here. Let's say like that. It's such a shame because Lambrusco is actually awesome. But I think everyone just assumes that Lambrusco is this weird, frothy, sweet drink. Yeah. When it's so far from that, I mean, do you, would you say? I mean, the majority is dry these days, or off dry. I mean, of course, a lot still sweet is being made, but I think far more is dry, and oh, certainly yeah. the stuff in England, it's it, even bone dry, really. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And uh, I can assure you that if you get, you know, a classic called Otello Ceci, which is a classic twenty euros bottle, it's just okay. fantastic the way that. I mean, it's drinkable, it's easy, it's beautiful, it's fun, it's vibrant, it's, it's, it's unique. In my opinion, oh. Lambrusco is something that I personally will bring to London and make it trendy in the next five years, no doubt. Ah, okay. I, well, I, do you I know will, what? If anyone, if anyone can do it. it, okay, I'm excited. So people need, right, let's talk about Lambrusco just a little bit more. I mean, yes. it's also what grows together, goes together, right? And it's great with a charcuterie board and with oh, cheese yeah. so it's how perfect to get some parma ham and some parmigiano reggiano precisely it's oh fantastic yes i'm gonna go off i want to go off piece just for one second then we'll of go course. back to lambrusco tortellini yes who invented it was it invented in bologna hmm. or modena hmm. <laughs> so you have to understand that you're talking with somebody who's from ferrara who's a city next to in between bologna and modena there is my city called ferrara uh -huh. and we uh -huh. call it capelletti <laughs> What? Capelletti. Capelletti. called it. Okay. Little hats. Okay. And, uh, okay. So we invented the capelletti, but tortellini have been invented in Bologna. Difference between tortellini and capelletti, it's super simple. It's just the mixture of the meat, but it's the same concept. 100% mm. uh, tortellini have been invented in Bologna, not in Modena. No, I don't. Are you sure that the that's people from my, Modena are That's my gonna... convention. But of course, if you go to somebody who's from Modena, it uh, tells you the opposite. Me being yeah. uh, an external of both of them, uh, I yeah. strongly believe is Bologna. Having said okay, that, Modena invented many other things. You know what I mean? Modena is where kind of Lambrusco is based. I mean, obviously you can yes. get it in, in Parma and um, Reggio Emilia, but Modena is, is where it is. Actually, and also just so people understand Lambrusco a little bit more as well, you can get it in Lombardy. So just out of Emilia Romagna, yeah. uh, can't you? Um, so Mantua in Lombardy, you can also get it. Okay, I'm going to do 
a quick lesson for people to understand Lambrusco and then I want you to tell me what some of your favorite pairings after of so course. for everybody to know there is like 60 different grapes like kind of part of the family of the Lambrusco family so <laughs> it could be in most most Lambruscos can be just blends of, of everything but you can look out for on the label four main grape varieties the most um Pop, most planted grape variety is Salamino, so the Lambrusco Salamino. Um, mm-hmm. It can often be actually, often it can be quite quite sweetest. If you want the kind of the lightest, most citrusy one, that's Sorbara. If you want the biggest, the biggest, baddest, the biggest, boldest one is Grasbarossa. And that one's like really, oh, I, I'm, I'm ruining it. You were supposed to be giving me the food pairs, but that's really good with like more of the heavy meats. And then you also have the oh, yeah. maestri. So they're the four that you should look out for. Do you want to throw in some food pairings with <laughs> Lambrusco? <laughs> I can tell you. So uh, the best way that you have Lambrusco with, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is something called gnocco fritto. Gnocco fritto is oh. uh, something from Modena, which is a sort of savory fried dough that oh you God, have yeah. with charcuterie and cheeses. So this is the yeah. main thing that you usually pair Lambrusco with. Other yes, things yes, you know, yes. can be orecchiette with ragu, for example. You know, orecchiette, mm-hmm. the classic pasta with some ragu. Or Yum. you can have it with, of course, uh, persimmon and prosciutto, melon and prosciutto. Uh, and uh, mm. you can have it with, uh, uh, let me think, some uh, some steak, a uh, slow-cooked steak with polenta. I mean, there's lots of things that you can, you know, oh, a yeah. little uh, arugula, tomatoes and strawberry salads. There is lots of things you can do uh, in terms of food. It's pairing. really versatile, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Some, uh, you know what? Fennel salami. Mm-mm. That's very good. It's, yes. And you mentioned about like the melon because as a whole, for anyone who doesn't understand Lambrusco, yes, you get the red berries, cherries and this kind of citrusy zest, but there's also something like a little bit earthy that you could also get with Lambrusco and like dried herbs and even things like violets or watermelons can be thrown in. So there's there's actually so much going on. And for anybody who's scared that they're going to get a sweet one, they do tend to say if it's secco, semi-secco. How would you pronounce am- amabil? Amabil? Amabile. Amabile. Yeah, amabile. So then they have amabile and then dolce. So for anybody who wants to know if it's secco, it's up to 15 grams of residual sugar per litre. So that's the driest. Semi-secco is going to be 12 to 32 grams. Amabile is 30 to 50 grams. And then dulce, if you're having obviously dessert wine, so don't pair that with steak, <laughs> it's going to be 45 grams per litre. So they do put that on the bottle. So great value, amazing with food, really versatile. I mean, I'm I'm actually going to get more Lambrusco now, now that we're talking about it. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. And of course, if you don't want Lambrusco, I mean, Emilia Romagna is also the place for Sangiovese, you know, of the course. great variety of Italy, you know, so it's a, it's a stunning place. Now, you must be really upset though with your Lambruscos because they typically don't have the same amount of pressure and you love a little bit of Sabrage, right? Oh, yes, you love, do. Do, you, do, you, do you ever open up a bottle of sparkling wine or champagne without taking a knife to it? Or- if I, <laughs> if I cannot, do it for restaurant reasons yes <laughs> but i'm famous because i subraged a couple of bottles in uh, claridge's inside ah <laughs> and you're probably yeah, a little bit dangerous but hey we don't let the rules get in the way of some fun I, I, I've, I've said the manager a little bit but he he loves me anyway so it's fine oh that's hilarious um... <laughs> do you have some tips do you have some tips for sabrage for anybody um the best tip is that the bottle has to be cold okay you know, cold bottle 
Yeah. Uh, tilt it 45 degrees and don't yeah. put any strength. And no strength. Uh, hold the bottle from uh, uh, the bottom of the bottle, maybe yeah. with your finger inside the end of the bottle. Yeah. The bottom. Yeah. In the punt. Yeah. In the punt inside. In the punt. In Why? the punt. If you put mm. your finger in the punt, mm -hmm. no foam comes out. So the less less comes. I reckon that's more maybe because you you're holding it more secure, right? You've got a better grip, so maybe you're not Actually, moving. There the... is something. There is yeah. something that goes on that I didn't understand yet, okay. but uh, you know physics. Okay, so that's <laughs> a physics scientist will will answer this. But if you get it right, and I'm too scared yes. to even try, if you, you can literally do it with a spoon. You could do it with the bottom of a wine glass. In fact, which I think looks. I mean, yeah. I, I'm like that looks cool. It does look cool. Yes, you can do it with a shoe, with your with your phone, with a MacBook, with a oh. pan, whatever you want. Oh, amazing! <laughs> but of amazing. course, you know the best is that with a two, with a teaspoon or a knife. That's the most, uh, or a glass. Those are the most efficient ways. Oh. Um, but you should try it. You should. I have a um, on Instagram. I have a masterclass in one of the posts. You should watch it. It lasts like like five minutes, and mm -hmm. it shows you the do's and don'ts. There you and go. This, I, I assure you, after anybody watches it, if they try, it will go straight away. And if you are nervous, so first of all, don't do it with, you can do it, but you shouldn't do it with things like Prosecco and you shouldn't do it with Lambrusco because the pressure is actually a lot less. So you want to do it with a traditional, uh, the traditional method sparkling wine. So it could be an English sparkling yes. wine. It could be Cap Classique. It could be Cremont. Also Franciacorta. Oh, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Mr. Italian. Yeah. Oh, Franciacorta. <laughs> Um, exactly. Um, so as long as it's it's made with the traditional method, it'll have an extra. It will have like the five or six bars of pressure that then will make it worth it. So make sure you do with that. But if you are nervous, you know you can get a Cremont for ten pounds. Start with that before going on to your Dom Perignon P two. <laughs> Exactly. Go with a slightly cheaper one first. Okay, I'm going to finish off, finish this lovely episode off because I have so many questions I could ask you and I'm I'm just, no, I'm going to behave myself. Oh, we're going to do if another you... episode another day. It's fine. Another episode, <laughs> yes, let's do it. If you could only have one wine style, or even one wine, yes. to go with food, um, what yeah. would it be? Uh, in my case, it has to be champagne. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I just love champagne. I love to drink it. I that's where most of my money goes to into buying champagnes, into trying new things, and uh, uh, I find it to be something super exciting. That depending where it grows from, you know, mm -hmm. it can achieve so many different. You know, even if you only do the, you know the champagne area, it's not big, no. but there are so many different varieties of grapes. There are so mm -hmm. many different varieties of you know how the wine grows, how the age it, how long the age it for. It's, mm -hmm. it's exceptional. It's something, it's a beautiful world. Okay. And do you want to, can you, I don't know if you can do this. Can you suggest a champagne that you've really enjoyed recently that is affordable? I'm not sure if you're going to yes, be able to do this. I don't yeah, know if you can. Uh, <laughs> Gournay Medeville Grand Brut. Okay. Brilliant. 30 pounds. Oh. Thank you very and, much. And uh, it's mind-blowing. Lovely. Everyone. Gournay, Medeville. Lovely. Go and try that. Andrea, or should I call you Mr. Zagatti? Mr. Z. Um, so, <laughs> Mr. Z, a pleasure. <laughs> 
cannot wait to speak <laughs> to you again honestly yeah. i have so many more questions so anyway but let's catch up soon over i don't know one of those bottles of drc you have in your cellar or liberpata whatever you know what i don't have a what... cellar i drink my cellar yeah so, so exactly so you just your t- <laughs> whatever your typical monday night wine is yeah you just bring that out all right beautiful lovely okay i'll speak to you very soon take care of yourself bye bye As I think you've seen from these last two podcasts, Andrea certainly is living his life to the max. So hopefully that has motivated you. Now, to finish off with, I have a quote from a rather famous man from Emilia Romagna. And sorry, Andrea, it's not you. (laughs) It is Enzo Ferrari, right? The creator of the famous luxury car Ferrari. And he is known for saying, if you can dream it, you can do it. So let's finish this podcast on an incredibly positive note. Dream big. The year is coming to the end. Start putting everything together and know that you're going to smash it in 2022. Right. That is it. Thank you as always for listening. Do like the podcast, share the podcast, subscribe if you haven't already and leave some comments. I'm going to leave you hanging with next week's episode because I haven't decided which one I'm putting out yet. So it's only one week away. Until then, cheers to you.